What do you say, everybody? With Tony Sukalis, I'm Mick Gillespie. Welcome to Bama Insider and our YouTube channel. Tonight, we've got a lot to talk about Alabama basketball and the Sweet 16 and a tough loss to UCLA. What's the future of the Crimson Tide? The NFL's going to have their draft soon, and there's some Alabama players that are drawing a lot of interest. And don't forget, Alabama is also practicing right now football, getting ready for their spring game. We've got a quarterback battle that's in the progress, uh, the process of, of happening, who's going to be the starter for Alabama. We'll get to see everyone on April 17th in the 8A game. Tony Sukos is the beat writer for Bama Insider, the Alabama Rivals site. BamaInsider.com. He follows the Crimson Tide football, basketball, wherever they go. He's with us on every Monday night quarterback. I'm Mick Gillespie. Don't forget to subscribe, guys, as you watch the show. Give us a thumbs up. We really appreciate you hanging out and talking about Alabama with us every Monday night at 6 o'clock. With all that said, Tony, how you been? I'm uh, doing well. The, the weather here in Tuscaloosa is perfect. So I'm just said we went on a walk and I'm just enjoying it. And now I'm you know, kicking him back for a Monday night quarterback. <laughs> I was in Chicago over the weekend and people were walking around in shorts and, um, you know, short sleeves. And I was freezing. Uh, <laughs> and so it just landed back here today in, in uh, beautiful Alabama. And I'll tell you what, it is nice and warm. What a perfect day. I, I'm For me, shorts, T-shirts, got to be, come on, man, like at least 65 I mean, it was like 50, 50 degrees and people were like, hey, this is really warm for us. So uh, they're excited about the start of summer as well. All right. Well, let's talk about a topic that really breaks my heart. I'm sure you feel the same way, Tony. Alabama, a tough loss to UCLA in the Sweet 16. This year's team, one of the greats in the history of the program, won the regular season in the SEC then won the conference championship, and the SEC was a lot better than I gave them credit for on this show during the season. Tip of the cap to them and this coach right here, Nate Oates. Your thoughts on last night's game? Obviously, you circle the free throws, right? I mean, heck, if they just would have made you know a couple more during regulation, it's a totally different game. And then, you know, when – when Herbert Jones goes to the line and, and, and misses both, you know, with, with just seconds to go, I, that's just, that's just tough. It's tough to see from Herb. It's tough to see, you know, who knows what, if, if Herb would have sunk both those free throws, would Alabama have gotten a stop on UCLA in that last possession with the lead? Who, you know, who knows? Um, there's a lot of what ifs in this game, you know, I mean, and then, you know, it was a crazy game, too, because you had the Alex Reese buzzer beater. And then, you know, at that point, you kind of thought that Alabama might have the momentum heading into overtime. But it just didn't seem like that was Alabama's night. You know, they couldn't really they couldn't really like they had a chance early in the game to maybe kind of step on uh, UCLA's neck. They weren't able to do that. And then it was just a game of runs back and forth. Um but th when it came down to the crunch moments, it didn't seem like Alabama was quite there, especially on the free throw line. So you have those nights in the tournament. It, that's why it's so entertaining. It's a one-off tournament. You know, do I think if Alabama and UCLA played 10 times, I think Alabama probably wins seven of them, but not, not that night. And UCLA definitely deserved to win. And so um, I think this is something that kind of will, will drive interest though. And I think it will motivate the players coming back. You would think too, it's going to, it's one of these losses that probably eats at you a little bit and maybe could fuel you for next season. 
Alabama forced overtime with that dramatic three-pointer, but UCLA came out and scored 20 points in overtime. Pac-12, look, they're showing everyone that they're the best conference in basketball this year. And it would not surprise me if they don't upset Gonzaga and win the national championship, one of the teams that they still have going in the tournaments. We'll find out a lot more tonight, but you got to give them credit. You know, when you get into a tournament field like this, they were all like, you know, high seeds. Um, and, and all they've done, UCLA played a heck of a ball game. They, they defensed Alabama. Bama would have wanted to hit the free throws, like you said. Um, how dramatic, though, was that three-pointer at the end of regulation. I mean, that's still a great moment in Bama basketball history. It is, and it's a, it's great that it happened with, with Alex Reese, who kind of, you know, what a great moment, because that's how we're going to remember Alex Reese. You know, and he's kind of a role player, and you didn't really have that. Yeah, there was times, you know, throughout the season where he definitely hasn't been the fans' favorite player, but I think now when you look back at Alex Reese's career, the first thing that's going to stand out is, man, he made that three at the end uh, you know, you know, what, what a clutch player you'll, you'll, he has been such a clutch player for Alabama, but it's almost gone unnoticed. And I think it's so fitting that he hit that shot is the last shot he took in his career from the, from the field. And, um, I think it's fitting that he made that shot as his last shot, just because he has been a clutch player for Alabama and, uh, that, you know, what a way to end it on. I mean, you know, obviously they would want to end it on a win, but you know, as far as shots go, I mean, heck, you can't beat that one. I kept asking, you know, who was the guy that wanted to take the shot in that situation? We talked about it at the beginning, you know, throughout the season. And, you know, the, the answer was Reese. You know, when, when Alabama needed the shot, he made it. Although Quinterly and Jones and, and Petty, when he was uh, – when he had it, Petty was kind of inconsistent as far as his play. When Petty was on, it, it was really hard to beat Alabama. I'm going to miss these guys. You know, I know I was on Petty pretty bad after that Iona game. But it's just because, to me, he's maybe not the most talented player on the team, but the most important player on the team. And now that the season's over, uh, first off, thanks, Richard, for the super chat. Roll Tide. We're keeping our heads up, man, and we really appreciate it. Um, and, and, and my point is kind of along those same lines as, as Richard, um, all you can do is just say, you know, John Petty, you had a hell of a career at Alabama and we, as just Alabama alumni and fans appreciate you, man. Like, um, most threes in, in school history, Yeah, John most reasons, but forget that part of it. It's the culture now. That's different. You know, I, I was not a fan of Anthony Grant. I thought that Mark Godfrey's last few years, he mailed it in. I think he was a really good coach and recruiter at one time. But it, when it was time to go, it was time to go. Anthony Grant was the absolute wrong answer for head coach. And then uh, AJ came in and did a really nice job of getting Alabama to the point where, where they could go out. And, and um, you know, and had had some players. And when they landed this guy here, Nate Oates, people were like, hey, this guy's different. He, you know, he's great. And I thought, well, how, how do you get rid of, you know, Avery Johnson? I mean, he's done a nice job, right? I mean, he's recruited. You know, he's, he's got some lottery picks. Like, I know why now. The, there's a handoff here. And the culture is different. I really feel like this Alabama program, is heading in the right direction. I think they could be a very big force in college basketball as long as Nate Oates is head coach. 
Definitely. And look, it's going to be a little bit different next year. They're not going to have the experience. You know, this year was such a perfect storm, if you will, when, when it comes to, you know, you had the, the, the seniors, the four seniors, and uh, you still had a lot of young talent as well. And it just all kind of molded together. Next year seems going to be a little bit younger, but it still has some good parts to it as well. You know, you've got Jaden Shackelford, your leading scorer. He's coming back. You'd have to, you know, Javon Quinterly should step in nicely to that, you know, starting point guard role. Um, you got a guy in uh, Joshua Primo who I think really could blossom into a star as well. He's, you know, a, a guy that was had moments this year of, of really kind of stepping into that star role. Um, you still got some role players like uh, Juwan Gary and Keon Ellis. Those guys are, are going to be back. Uh, James Rojas, we probably want to see him do better, but and he's another name maybe to look at. And then you got guys like Alex Chico who could come in, uh, Keon Ambrose Hilton. Those are two bigs, you know, um, and obviously the, 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 the recruit coming in, the, the five-star J.D. Davison. So it will have, you know, it, they'll have some talent next year, and they're always going to have that talent. Um, it's going to be fun. I think we're going to start expecting these tournaments. And here's another thing, Mick. If you start making the tournament every year, I think when you get into games like the one where the UCLA game where things aren't going right or the pressure might not be as high because it's not as new. And I'm not saying that that's the reason why Alabama lost and Alabama is a team that's handled pressure super well this year. So it's not like they couldn't do it this year. But I think those things kind of the teams that make the tournaments every year, they, they seem to have a way of getting past those moments. So um I think that, you know, you talk about the culture changing, that might also help Alabama moving forward as well. And that was something that I worried about, the lack of experience in the postseason. When you watch football play, you know, go back to when the program did not have experience in big games, 2008, and you talk to the guys on that 2008 football team, they say if we would have had the gold to win the SEC, we would have beaten Florida. And I saw that game and felt like Alabama could have very easily have won that SEC championship. And then that whoever won that, that was the de facto national championship. They'd have gone on to win just like Florida did uh, the title, and it would have been easy. That was the battle. You know, the next year they came in, they had that experience and in 2009, they crushed Tim Tebow in Florida in one of the greatest SEC championship games, if not the greatest championship game ever. I don't care about maybe the game was more epic, but the the just what happened in that game, the way that Alabama played, two programs that were really you know at their best. We haven't seen anything like that in in the history of the SEC, where you're talking about the two best teams in the country by far playing in that game undefeated and uh, and we know what happened um, in that in that contest in 09. So Alabama um, has experience now in the tournament. I look at this year's team, the culture changing, the experience that they have as being something that Alabama builds on. Now you throw in J.D. Davidson, you brought it up. This guy is the kind of blue chip recruit that Alabama really hasn't consistently got, right? I mean, this was a guy who in years past probably would have went to Kentucky or somewhere else. You see the videos. This is a huge piece. And then when you bring back guys like Quinterly, I mean, you feel really good about what Alabama's 
basketball team's going to look like. But it's great to know that you're at least going to have him. And then who knows what else can happen with the way that transferring is going right now. I got to figure that there's going to be players that are going to want to get to Alabama and play for Nate Oates. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, look how much transition happened in last offseason. So I, that could definitely be something that happens. And But J.D. Davison, I'll tell you, is, is, is he's Colin Sexton level good. So he's going to come in. I think when Colin Sexton came in, yeah, he came in with a great recruiting class. Obviously, you had Herb Jones and, and John Petty. But he came in with a bunch of guys that weren't necessarily accustomed to winning, um, at, at least at the college level. And so – I think having J.D. Davidson is almost like having that Colin Sexton player when Alabama's now ready to have that Colin Sexton player, you know? Um, so I think he's it, it's really going to be a case where, you know, he could carry the team in terms of talent. But you also have guys like, like I just said, like Jaden Shackelford and, and Joshua Primo who could also kind of maybe step in and be more of the veteran presence presence. Um, during maybe if he does have a little bit of a struggle, if, if J.D. Davison has a little bit of a freshman struggle, he has some guys to lean on. So I think it's going to be huge for him. Well, we'll find out soon. Uh, women's basketball uh, made the tournament, won a game, beat North Carolina, then absolutely embarrassed by Maryland. They lost by almost 40 points uh, in the second round. So, you know, we'll see where that goes. But at least they made the tournament. Uh, did you have a chance to catch any of of of, of their games postseason wise? I didn't, but you know, kudos to them for you know for making not only making it but but winning a game as well. And that kind of goes to show you too the 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 difference in expectations too that that we have. You know, now we're going to have expectations that Alabama basketball is supposed to go and make runs, right, and not just get there, but do something with it, and that's exciting. Um, and, and you hope that all the programs kind of follow suit uh, as far as that goes. So uh, both both basketball teams made the tournament, and that's really cool. So uh, Alabama basketball making uh, headway. And the other part of this, too, is that fans from other programs, they see this Alabama basketball uh, men's program take these huge steps, and they're like, okay, so now we have to deal with basketball, too? <laughs> yeah. So it's been kind of funny. Let's switch gears a little bit. And what I want to ask everyone watching to do is give us a thumbs up, subscribe to our channel, the Bama Insider YouTube channel. We're Alabama's rival site. We love you guys and we appreciate you for hanging out with us here. This is Monday Night Quarterback. You want the latest information on recruiting, football, practice. Tony covers the team. All of that at BamaInsider.com. And, uh, Join join the party right now. All right, let's talk football. We've got the second pro day coming up at Alabama. This is the second one. And there was a huge trade that could have a lot of Alabama implications. It was a three-way deal between the Eagles, the 49ers, and the Dolphins, right? Or maybe it was just two different trades that included those teams. The the real part that's going to influence Alabama is just the uh, the 49ers and the the Dolphins. Well, right. The good news is is it looks like Tua will be the starting quarterback next year for the Dolphins. So maybe there was a lot of talk of him being traded, you know. So they they move back in in the draft, and now we're focused on what the 49ers are doing because they went from 12th 
to third, and that puts them squarely in the mix to have at least all but one. Maybe they, There's two quarterbacks that could possibly go ahead of their pick, maybe just one, depending what happens before them. But this is a move that is seen by everyone watching where Kyle Shanahan, the head coach and the GM of the team, want to go get a quarterback. Could that possibly be Mac Jones? Yeah, I think it actually could be. And I think you know, it's funny because Mike Farrell uh, on the national side, he asked me that the other day and, and, and I said, you know, I, I don't think so. I don't think it's going to be Mac Jones because I think, you know, you could probably get him at six or seven. And so why would you give up that much to get to three to get Mac Jones? But maybe they're just really high on Mac Jones. The reason why I say that is, you know, you look Alabama and Ohio State both have their pro day uh, tomorrow. Um and San Francisco is, is sending uh, not only their head coach, Kyle Shanahan, but also their GM, John Lynch, to Tuscaloosa. And they're sending their assistant GM to Columbus to watch uh, Justin Fields. So obviously, um, if, if you just take it from that, it seems like they have more interest in Mac Jones than Justin Fields. And so uh, there's still other ways they could go. Shoot, they could pick Trey Lance at number three. But I think it's a definite possibility that Mac Jones could go at number three. Um to two spots higher than Tua went last year. I saw a story in the athletic where it wasn't really a story, but they projected the draft and you see all these different, you know, and it's like this every year, right? Mel Kuyper says he's not going to last past 15 picks. Uh, the athletic had him uh, and it was like a group of writers had him going like 30th or something way. Oh, I don't even think there's a way that Mac Jones gets out of the top 10. Now maybe he slips down 15 to the Pats, but uh, I don't see him getting uh, out of the top 10 because I just think that there's a, there's a chance Mick, that the first four picks are going to be quarterbacks. Cause we don't know what Atlanta is going to do, but let's just say, you know, I think your first pick is obviously Trevor Lawrence to Jacksonville. The second pick is looking pretty obvious. Uh, Zach Wilson to New York to, to the Jets. So you know that uh, that San Francisco is going to pick a quarterback. Even if they don't pick Mac Jones, that's three quarterbacks off the board by pick four. You know, you don't know what Atlanta is going to do. But, you know, even if they picked uh, Lance, I, I think then you got four in the first four picks. I think you got teams like, you know, Carolina could pick Jones. Denver could pick Jones. You know, the Patriots could have to trade up for Jones. Uh, shoot, the, 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 the Washington could trade up for Jones as well. So I mean, there's a lot of possibilities. I don't see him leaving. I guess you could put that, that floor at 15, but I don't really see him lasting to 15 either. I think he's probably moving himself into the top 10. We'll find out really soon. Why two pro days for Alabama and besides Mac? Who else are you keeping an eye on? Maybe Najee, Dylan Moses, Jalen Waddle. Well, two pro days allows some of these guys that were a little banged up. It gives them another chance. It also just gives people like Mac Jones extra time to, to throw. Mac Jones is going to get to throw in front of even more people. And, you know, I don't think he's going to do anything to hurt his case, but maybe if he can, you know, it just gives him more eyeballs and more chances to to kind of get seen. I really don't understand why there's no limit on pro days. So I, I don't understand why people don't do multiple pro days in the first place. Cause it, it probably just helps out. You know, some of the guys that are trying to move up in the draft. Uh, and if you don't want to do it, it's not, no one has a gun to your head to, to participate in both of them. Uh, so it, I think it's a smart move for Alabama. 
Um, for Mac Jones, he's going to get the throw to, to Najee now. And I, I know he's going to get the throw to both tight ends. And they're bringing in a receiver from uh, Jacksonville State, actually, to, to, to you know catch balls from him as well. Um, what I'm interested in is obviously I want to see how Najee runs. Cause I think if he gets a, a good 40 time, it would really help him out. And he's been working so hard to prove that he's got the speed. So I, I kind of want to see what he runs in the 40. I think that's probably the most defining drill of the day will be Najee Harris's 40 uh, just cause it just because so, of what it will mean to him. But also I'd like to see, you know, is Jalen Waddle going to participate? Is Devonte Smith going to participate? Um, they're both coming off of injuries. Um, you know, I, I think I think everyone would love to see Jalen Waddle run the 40. I don't know if he will, because if he's not totally healthy, it doesn't make sense to run it. But uh, if anything, I'd like to, you know, see them kind of run some routes and, and maybe help out Mac Jones and also maybe help out themselves too. Um, I, I wouldn't think it would be a bad idea for Devontae Smith to do something just to take away some of the headlines about his size. You know, if, if Devontae Smith is able to go out, do a few drills, remind people why he's so good, it takes some of the conversation away from his size. But if he decides not to, then the only thing people are talking about is that he's small. And I think, you know, whether it's fair or not, people might get caught up in that hype of him being small and he might get passed over. I mean, there's two other really good receivers in this draft and Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle, And I think those are your three elite guys. And so Devonte Smith, I think at one point, if not, you know, tomorrow's pro day, he should hold something else and, and do something to kind of remind people, you know, that he's Devonte Smith, you know? Yeah. And Saban had a good quote about his size and basically how it really doesn't impact anything with him. As a matter of fact, he's a great player. Yeah, he Saban brought up the fact that, you know, there's players bigger than him that don't produce as much as he does, you know. And, and the, yeah, Saban, you know, when he first got Devontae Smith at Alabama, he wished he was a little bit bigger. And he knows that uh, NFL teams are even the one that drafts him probably is going to wish he's a little bit bigger. But I, I think, you know, what, what Saban was saying with that is, look, it worked out well for me. It's going to work out well for you. This kid's a, a special talent. And I think he is. I think he's a guy that you can put in the slot or outside. And he doesn't have – you know, blazing speed like like Jalen Waddle, but he's also not slow, and he runs crisp routes. He catches literally anything in his facility, and um, I just think he's a great pick. I think he's going to be, you know, to be honest with you, I like him just as a receiver. Uh, I like him the most in the draft, even over a guy like Waddle, where you have that speed. Just because I, I like all his tools and. I think sometimes people get caught, so caught up with speed. Well, yes, it's important, but so is so are the other attributes of a receiver, and I think Devontae Smith has that as well. And he's a guy that he's small, but he doesn't play small. I mean, he's a good blocker. Um, he punches above his weight in terms of physicality. So I don't. He, he's not a guy that's getting hurt every. You know, I, I know he hurt his hand in, in the uh, um, championship game, but that's not something that happens because he's small. You know, so. Um, it's, I don't think he's an injury concern or anything like that. So I, I wouldn't be worried about picking Devontae Smith. Well, they got to catch him to be able to hit him, right? That's true, too. I mean, he's a shifty guy, and he's just going to beat you off the line. And look, how many people double-teamed him, and he was still wide open. So um, he, he's he's a great player. And, you know, if he drops in the draft, the, whatever team gets him, you just circle that as the steal of the draft. Anything else that we should know about you, Tony? You working on anything that we can read? You going to be covering anything this week? 
Yeah. So, you know, today and another thing that, you know, happened on the site too, is all the contracts were um, approved. So, you know, you can check out the site to see uh, how rich Alabama's assistants are. Obviously, uh, Nate Oates had his contract approved too, and he'll be here until 2027. So Alabama did a good job of locking him down too. But uh, uh, Pete Golding's uh, got a hefty pay raise. He's making 1.5 and actually he's going to make 1.5, then 1.6, then 1.7. So, um, you know, he, it was a good day for Alabama's uh, assistant coaches. That's for sure. Awesome. Well, he's Tony Sukos. Always read his work at BamaInsider.com. Tony, thanks for being on Monday Night Quarterback. Let's do it again next Monday. All right, man. All right, that's it for Tony Sukos. Guys, as you hang out, hit the thumbs up button. Subscribe to our channel, Bama Insider and the Bama Insider YouTube channel. Let me bring on the guy that you know as the managing editor of Bama Insider. He really is the star of this YouTube channel. Always good to talk and catch up with the busiest man in the business, Kyle Henderson. What's up, Kyle? <laughs> What's up, Mick? I appreciate uh, being on Monday Night Quarterback. and You and Tony did a fine job tonight. Of course, we'll have uh, Trey Yannity back on, and we got Andrew Bone lined up for Tuesday. And um, kind of a nugget for everybody out there. Andrew Bone caught up with Alabama signee Kyrie Jackson. So you'll be getting an exclusive interview with, um, you know, someone we're really excited to see when he does get to Alabama. As you know, Alabama has 15 early enrollees. Um, and then they're bringing on, you know, several more guys during the summertime. Kyrie Jackson, junior college transfer at that corner position. So um, exclusive interview with Kyrie Jackson and Andrew Bone uh, probably dropping tomorrow. So the news don't stop. That's why it's important to hit the subscribe button so you're always notified when we drop news right here on Bama Insider. Oh, the Nuggets. Kyle and his Nuggets. Let's talk, Kyle, about some football. A lot going on right now. It's exciting this time of year. This guy, Nick Saban, he's done a few things as head coach, and he's had to restock the coaching shelf, and he's got some new coaches out there. Give us an update on what it's been like for these new assistant coaches and their salaries being raised. We just heard a little bit of it from Tony. Yeah, I was actually going to load a, a video file to kind of run over. So let me load it. I'm going to mute it, and then we can kind of scroll through it. So just give okay. me one second. It's good fame. It's Kyle Henderson. Okay, there we go. Um, as Tony was talking about, you got Pete Golding. Um, he was making 1.2 last year as Alabama's defensive coordinator. Um, now he's been bumped up to 1.5, and he's the highest paid assistant on Alabama's coaching staff. Last year, it was Steve Sarkeesian who was making 2.5, which is pretty incredible. I mean, 2.5, um, it was actually tied with uh, Kevin Still for the biggest uh, assistant that was paid in the country. So um, that's big time money at the University of Alabama. And now Pete Golding will be at 1.5. And um, Nick Saban recently did a video and, and he continues to defend Pete Golding. I mean, I think, you know, it, it's come to the point where um, you know, over the last couple of seasons, if it rains, blame Pete Golding, right? If you if you catch a cold, blame Pete Golding, right? If you're not feeling good, blame Pete Golding. So it's like everything on the defense. And the funny thing about this is the defense, like if the defense makes a good play, and you'll see it this coming season, good job saving, nice adjustment. <laughs> if there's if something goes wrong, fire Pete Golding. So look, there's no bigger fan that I've learned over the past three seasons um, of Pete Golding than Nick Saban. Nick Saban continues to uh, foster this relationship and Pete Golding getting another pay raise now at 1.5. And, um, you know, I think that says a lot. I think that has a lot of confidence about his defensive coordinator. Remember, Nick Saban's a defensive guy. He works with the corners 
And I love it because he calls himself a graduate assistant. So you have Jay Valai, and we'll show his, his uh, salary right here in a second. But you also have Nick Saban out there working with the corner. So he's in all the defensive meetings. He's, you know, this is Nick Saban's defense. And I think that, um, you know, with him continuing to believe in Pete Golding, I think if you're an Alabama Crimson Tide football fan, maybe you should step back and believe Nick Saban on this. But then again, like, you, like what else could go wrong at Alabama? Really nothing. So it's like, um, you know, got to blame, got to blame someone for something sometimes. And maybe that's just Pete Golding. But yeah, he's uh, up at 1.5 right now. A lot of rumors that Sarkeesian was trying to take him with him to Texas and that Alabama had to fight to keep him. And, um, and he's back this year, and he'll have a lot of familiar faces on the defense. There's Bill O'Brien. We know him, former head coach of the Texans, former Penn State head coach. Now he's the offensive coordinator. Yeah, Bill O'Brien right here. Um, I mean, he made $3 million as the Houston Texans head football coach. Now he's making um, 1.1. Poor guy, right? Um, but he's the uh, Alabama's offensive coordinator. And I think when you look to, you know, big shoes to fill, uh, Bill O'Brien is that guy. I mean, A, he doesn't have a quarterback coming back that has a lot of experience. Yes, he has Bryce Young. He has Paul Tyson, um, Jalen Milrow. None of those guys played much at all last season. Um, he doesn't have Devontae Smith. He doesn't have Jalen Waddle. He doesn't have Najee Harris. He doesn't have Landon Dickerson. He doesn't have Deontay Brown. He doesn't have Alex Sutherwood. But what he does have is, you know, the continued lineage of these incredible players and these inc incredible recruiting classes at Alabama. So right now it's kind of the time where we start to talk about the nuggets and which players are starting to rise up. And I think overall Bill O'Brien coming here, he's going to have a good offensive philosophy to continue to build on. And you'll hear me say this several times. I think Alabama's offense really started to evolve when Brian Dayball came from the New England Patriots as a tight ends coach. And I think he really started to recraft the passing tree. And then ever since him, they've kind of built onto that. And that's been Alabama's new approach on offense. Um, I think Mike Loxley added to that. I think Steve Sarkeesian kind of, you know, modeled it. Um, even for the better these last couple of years. So now it's Bill O'Brien's time to to step up and, um, you know, take over. Not even the Lamborghini is like the Bugatti, as I like to call it, because there's so many um, star-studded guys on the offensive side of the ball. So curious to see what Bill O'Brien does. And I think there's a large group out there. They're like, Bill O'Brien, he was the worst hit with the Texans. He's going to trade away the players. He's not the GM, right? I, I say it all the time. He's not the GM. He's not the head football coach. He's the OC. And I think um, Saban continues to talk very highly of him. 1.1 for Bill O'Brien. Not too shabby. Guys, as you watch, thumbs up and subscribe. You're watching Monday Night Quarterback on the Bama Insider YouTube channel. Doug Marone, he was the head man with the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's Probably my favorite addition to this coaching staff. I think he's a very talented coach. Not that the other guys aren't. But Alabama, to be able to get Marone to come over, and he's not even the offensive coordinator, is a huge win for Nick Saban. Yeah, I mean, think about it. Um, you have three former NFL coaches on this staff. No other program in the country can say that. Um, Alabama, you know, coming off two recent coaches, uh, Bill O'Brien and Doug Marone, who coached with the Jags. Same with, uh, you know, Doug Marone. He was making $3 million as the Jaguars head football coach. Now he'll take a 
pay decrease of seven fifty five. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that wouldn't mind that salary, right? Um, so Doug Marone takes over a group, and he's going to have to do some rebuilding. I mean, this spring, Alabama doesn't have Emil Ikior. Um, he's out with an injury from last season. So really, the only returner is Evan Neal slash Chris Owens. You saw Chris Owens start at the tail end of the season, um, especially in the national championship game where he did really well. Then you have Evan Neal, who's probably going to be a top five pick at the tackle position. And now is a time about improvement. I don't think Saban or even Doug Marone are necessarily looking for starters right now because there's not a game, right? You got spring practice and then you have a day, but it's not a game situation. You're just looking for improvement for guys to really um, build that cohesiveness that they need during the springtime and figure out who can be a starter. And I think you start to look for starters probably in August. So um, Doug Marone, I, I think the room around him, from what I hear, First guy in, last one out, um, obviously after Saban because no one goes home, you know, um, before Saban. But I, I think that um, he's going to be a great addition. And you have a lot of these younger linemen who I think are going to get opportunities during the springtime. So, yeah, just like you, I think it's a fantastic addition. Curious to see how he does on the recruiting side. I think that's everybody's biggest question. Of course, he can coach the offensive line, but you have to be able to recruit um, at Alabama at the highest level. Um, let's see how Doug Marone can do in that aspect. Doug Marone, part of this uh, really amazingly talented, revamped coaching staff. And here's Robert Gillespie. Great name. Already makes me a very big fan of the former Florida Gators running back. Yeah, you got um, Emmanuel Henderson, right? No relation. So uh, he committed to Alabama, class of 2022. And Alabama now has Robert Gillespie, right? So, um, you know. The, the the last names are checking out. All we need is a bone and a Sukalis and, and a Yanity. We'll be rolling, right? Um, with Robert Gillespie, I think people are really excited to see him work with the running backs. And, I mean, talk about a kid walking into, you know, like a kid in a candy store. Because you have B-Rob, who you see in the center. Then you have Roydell Williams on the right. You got Jace McQuellen, Kyle Edwards, Trey Sanders is back, um, Kamar Wheaton incoming just so much talent. It's it's really ridiculous. I mean, even Killen Robinson is back. So that's a completely loaded group. But what he was able to do at North Carolina, and I think when we look to the college football kind of, uh, you know, map from this last season, North Carolina, they're starting to do really well. And you look at how they are utilizing their running backs. I think they did a fine job. So Robert Gillespie comes over uh, working with the running backs. Uh, you know, the go in terms of working with running backs is Burton Burns. He's the guy who started this whole like you know, elite high level running backs. I mean, he's, he's, he's the greatest. And now these other guys underneath him will continue, um, you know, to kind of reap the rewards of working with these fine Alabama running backs. I mean, look at Brian Robinson. I mean, he's coming back for his extra senior year. And I, I talk about Brian Robinson all the time. And the fact that he showcased so much ability in that national title game against Ohio state, if you're bored and you really want to watch, you know, Alabama and Ohio state play again, Watch Brian Robinson. Yes, Najee Harris did his thing, um, but so did Brian Robinson. So I, I think that Brian Robinson is going to be a, a back on Sundays. Him coming back adds to the arsenal for Alabama. Robert Gillespie certainly in a good spot. No doubt about it. Let's take a look at our new defensive backs coach. Yeah, Jay Valai, um, 525. Um, still a nice salary for uh, for anybody in the business. He replaces Carl Scott, and I talked about this on the video that I uploaded earlier today. 
I think when you look to shoes to fulfill, I think you got Bill O'Brien trying to replace Sarkeesian. And I think you got Jay Valai trying to replace uh, Carl Scott. Carl Scott was a recruiting ninja, did a fantastic job, as did Charles Huff. I mean, so maybe Robert Gillespie is kind of in that mix as well. Uh, Jay Valai was with like three teams, uh, three programs. He was even with the Eagles before he signed with Alabama. I think he was at Houston with the Cougars, and then he was somewhere else. Now he settles in at Tuscaloosa, takes over a group that does need a corner. So as I mentioned, Kyrie Jackson, one of those guys that you need to watch watch kind of over the summertime. Um, you got Josh Job returning, and then you got the star position players, Malachi Moore, who's out this spring, but you got Brian Branch, got Jalen Armore Davis. So Jay Valai takes over a talented group, still looking for that corner. But again, like uh, Carl Scott did such a great job recruiting, you're going to need to see the same um, kind of energy from Jay Valai. No doubt. Charles Kelly. Charles Kelly. I, I think a lot of people might remember Charles Kelly. He was at, um, I think he was in D.C. for a short time at Florida State. And over the last couple of years, the Alabama secondary has really been um, improving because of him. I, I think, you know, he works with the safeties and I think he's the associate defensive coordinator. So Alabama always has this big room of defensive um, coaches. And Charles Kelly is also in there with Pete Golding, Nick Saban, Sal Sinceri, um, so, so, so many, uh, well-minded defensive guys in that room, but yeah, Charles Kelly, uh, making a killing, right? 825, uh, and, um, these Alabama coaches, we, we, we might've gotten to the wrong profession, Mick. I mean, if we could coach <laughs> the level, we, we should be doing that, but 825, uh, for Charles Kelly and probably well-deserved. I mean, the guy does a great job recruiting. And then this year he's got a chance to work with Jordan Battle, um, DeMarco Helms and Daniel Wright. Yeah. It should be a really good secondary, even though they're, Losing maybe their maybe the best corner that Alabama's had. I mean, it's arguable, but Sertain is as good as anyone. How about Old Sal? I mean, it, it, this is his third trip to Tuscaloosa. Sal Sinceri. Yeah. yeah, Sal's been here a couple times. All right, he's really familiar with um, Tuscaloosa, and I mean, his sons. I mean, he he sent some sons to the league, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think even Tino. Maybe. Yeah, Vinny. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I think that um, and he was here for a short time in some capacity, like as a off, the, you know, as an analyst or something like that. And then he recently left. But you still have Tino here. Uh, Tino is working with the quarterback. So you have Bill O'Brien who works with the quarterbacks. And I think that um, Tino might be right under him. So Tino's always out there working with the guys. I think he helps on the recruiting front where he can. Um, but South and Siri, um, close to 700. They should have just made it, you know, 700, right? Give them that extra 5,000 bump. <laughs> right, and, and, you know, I, look, I miss going to the practices and I can't wait till we can go back to the practices because South and Siri, I mean, he's like the king of the F-bombs, right? They would be like, uh, all right, so uh, film the outside linebackers, but, you know, notate that you're going to have to use the bleeps because if you're <laughs> if you're filming the outside linebackers south sincere is coaching with the passion and brings it and i think kind of an underrated recruiter when we've talked to a lot of these outside linebackers that are coming into alabama they've had a really good relationship with south sincere so great x's and o's guy i think he was a defensive line coach um i don't i think he might have been a dc for a short time somewhere but yeah, i didn't yeah yeah there you go and um, now back at uh, Alabama and, um, you know, does a fine job with those outside linebackers. Yeah, I was excited when Alabama brought him back again. I just love people with positive energy that enjoy what they're doing and that have a legacy of success. And he does it, obviously, coaching and also recruiting. So good to have Sal back.
I don't know why it's not bringing up uh, Holman Wiggins. It just says H. I like it. All right, I'll roll with it. So Holman Wiggins uh, is making over $500,000 um, up from, I think, $420,000. And look, I mean, you you love working with the running backs as, uh, you know, you can work with Brian Robinson, Killer Robinson, all those guys. How about working with the Alabama receivers over the last couple of years, right? You're just like, yeah, I, I uh, helped coach uh, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, uh, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, and now Holman Wiggins will take over. And, um, you know, I'm curious to see what happens at the receiver position because I think there's a lot of question marks within that group. Who's going to step up? Who's going to rise up? John Mechie is out this spring um, nursing an injury from last season, but you got some younger guys that I'm hearing really good things about. Um, we can talk about that before we break out, but um, Holman Wiggins continues to move. And again, sorry on the graphic. I'm not sure uh, what exactly happened, but that is Holman Wiggins. Um, he was actually, believe it or not, he was actually um, in New Mexico for a short time coaching with the Lobos. So um, obviously he knows about Albuquerque. Yep. Dear, dear heart. Um, he's going to have his work cut out for him this year, though. It's not going to be cut and paste. I mean, they're yeah, gonna, I agree. They're not talent, but they're going to have to learn how to play the position at this level. All right, here's Freddie Roach. Obviously, I remember him as a great linebacker at Alabama and excited that Freddie is now coaching. Yeah, you're right. I mean, Freddie Roach uh, is a guy who was here, played at Alabama. I think he even came back and he was a strength coach, um, like an assistant strength coach or something like that. And then he went off, coached at a couple different places. Before he came to Alabama, he was an Ole Miss, did a great job uh, recruiting for them. And now he's at Alabama. This will be his second year working with the defensive line. And he has so much talent and, and a lot of younger talent. But, um, you know, there's so many there, there's going to be so much rotation with that group because I think he can kind of mix and match. So uh, Freddie Roach, man, making 720 um, coming in with it his second year at the University of Alabama. So can, can't wait to see how he continues to help um, on the recruiting front, because I think when you look at the coaching staff, um, you have your vets who kind of know the schematics, but you also have the guys who have to have that high energy, be a little bit younger to connect with some of these recruits. It all works and savings a mastermind at building up these staffs to cover all the bases, whether it's from the schematic standpoint, changing personnel and, of course, recruiting, as you know, because it plays a huge role into the overall process. Yeah. Plus, he can also remind everyone what it was like when Alabama didn't win every game. because. Yeah. Played. I mean, you know, they had a, a good year and they had some bad years. So I love it when they have former Bama players that weren't part of the Saban era just to tell everyone, hey, it hasn't always been like this. Tennessee's still a rival and, you know, they can beat you. And when they do, it's no it's no fun. And and just basically respect and appreciate what you have going right now. Not that those guys don't. I think some years they don't. This class certainly did and what they were able to to do, but uh, exciting stuff. And uh, he, he's definitely another one of those guys that is going to play a big impact on Alabama's coaching staff. All right, let's switch gears now and talk a little bit of basketball. This guy's won a lot of hardware already. He's only been in Tuscaloosa for two years. SEC regular season SEC Tournament Championship, both this year, Sweet 16. He's talking about championships. He likes cutting nets down, and he's also going to like signing these new checks. Yeah, I mean, um, they certainly, um, you know, got Nate Oates under contract again, and I think this contract extends out to 2027. Um, I mean, think about it. I mean, Greg Burns, you know, I mean, call it a gamble, call it a great call to go after Nate Oates, because I think when you saw, um, you know, 
the program the last couple of seasons under Avery Johnson, you're like, who else are you going to get? I mean, this is a big time name coaching the league, very familiar with NBA, um, did help, you know, land Colin Sexton and, and really built um, three seniors that were part of this class, right? Alex Reese, uh, Petty and um, Herb Jones. I mean, those are all Avery Johnson's guys. So to see how they've kind of transformed over these last couple of years under Nate Oates and had that blue collar mentality and to see what he's been able to do in two short seasons has been really incredible. So he's making 3.2. I mean, uh, that's that's a nice bump. I think he was like at 1.5 or something like that. So uh, clearly Alabama wanted to reward him, and um, rightfully so. I, I think the way that the season ended, um, you know, was bitter. I mean, anytime that you you don't do what you're supposed to do at the end of the season, and especially in a, in, in a fundamental aspect of just hitting free throws, I think that's tough to swallow because from a coaching standpoint, Maybe they were there. Maybe the guys were, were right there. But, I mean, it, it's up to your players at the free throw line, right? I mean, how many free throws did these guys shoot every single practice? Probably what? They probably have to hit like 200 before they can even leave. So that comes into not being accustomed to being in the tournament. That comes to, you know, you know, just not, being, uh, not having those ice cold veins that you got to have. So I think that the culture, as he talked about, has changed. And I would, uh, I would agree with that. I mean, you saw – just the people in Tuscaloosa. It's not like basketball fans don't exist here. I mean, I know people who love basketball, who want the team to be good, who want Coleman to get a renovation. But, you know, it's just been so, so much time since people could really believe in the basketball team. And I get it. What Nick Saban does on the football team is perfect. So um, you, you can't, you know, judge what the football team does against the basketball team. But at the same token, the basketball team has to be making um, you know, at least the round at 32 at the very least every single year. And I think from now on under Nate Oates, you got to make the sweet 16 and keep advancing, right? You're either getting better or you're getting worse. Um, just as Tony saying, you know, before he broke out, it, the, the the components that they have coming back, I, I really like it. You know, Josh Primo was a guy that everyone was excited about. I thought he showed great things. Uh, Javon Quinterly, my goodness. I mean, that guy can just go coast to coast in 1.2 seconds. And then you got J.D. Davison coming in. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen highlights of him. That guy throws down the most monster dunks that you're going to see. So adding, you know, different components from the recruiting standpoint, the program's only going to get better. And I'll say this before we kind of move on and, and get out of here and, and talk about a couple of spring nuggets. The thing I like most about Nate Oates is his ability just to say what he means, right? He's not all coach speak. And I hope that doesn't change for a while because I think that a lot of coaches want to stand behind the curtain, be politically correct, and not say that you're going to win this game. You, you are the favorite. Look, you're the two seed. You're supposed to be the 11 seed. There's nothing wrong with saying that you're supposed to be good, that you're supposed to win, that you're the better team. There's nothing wrong with calling out, you know, it was it was big when he called out Coach K. I mean, that's like, I mean, Coach K has done some, some good things. You're talking about a dream team coach. Um, but the point is, he went out and did that. I mean, he he's he's got kind of that alpha mentality that you need at the head of the room, just like Nick Saban, right? Now, Nick Saban has kind of evolved into um, the college football commissioner, so you're not going to see him flying off uh, the handle as you as you did maybe five to seven years ago, but still, Nick will still say exactly what he needs to say, and I think that it's important that Nate Oates doesn't change. I think he has to be who he is, and I know that Nate Oates has taken a lot out of Coach Saban's playbook in terms of the philosophy and his overall approach, so I respect it. Look, if you're going to be at this profession, you're going to be made, making $3.2 million, say what you want, and also deliver. 
Yeah. And I mean, I got to give Greg Byrne a ton of credit. I mean, it used to be like watching the women. They make the tournament. They get blown out by 40 and everyone's saying, hey, this is great. They made the tournament, you know, give give Christy Curry a contract extension. You know, now all of a sudden um, Greg Byrne comes in and he's like, hey, our expectation is to win a men's basketball championship. And Alabama lost last night in a heartbreaking game that a lot of us that are watching right now are still sick about. And it's just it really is comforting to know that their expectation wasn't, hey, we made it to the Sweet 16. It's we should be in the final four. We should be playing for titles. And that's all that all comes from the athletic director, I feel like. You know, we we have that expectation for football. We have that expectation uh, for softball and for gymnastics, really. I mean, like we're we're they are used to that and we expect that, but it's never been with basketball. So now the men's program's there and going out and finding the best coach, really, I I, I don't think they could have found a better coach. I think he might be the best coach in the country. So uh, credit to them and, and the fact that their expectations are not just the culture, but the expectations are that we should be one of the best teams in the country. I think they're going to be there. I, I said this yesterday, kind of just before we switch gears, that I think this is just the beginning. I think Alabama basketball is going to be the real deal. And you know, Kyle, I would tell you if I didn't think that. <laughs> you know that. And I'm, I, I really have a feeling that that something special is brewing in Tuscaloosa. So also, uh, Chris Stewart, Brian Passick, uh, for those of you that listened to the games on radio, I thought they did a really great job. Jumped on here, both of them, and helped us preview the the postseason. I know those guys are – pretty miserable today about the way that things ended uh, because they love this team so much, but uh, kudos to them. I thought they did a really, really awesome job calling the games. All right, let's talk about football. Kyle is the best in the business at giving us nuggets. Thumbs up and subscribe as you hang out with us here on Bama Insider and the Bama Insider YouTube channel, part of the Alabama Rivals family. And we are the number one stop for recruiting for Alabama football news. And Kyle's the guy with the nuggets. Yeah. And um, I mean, we, we're not going to spend too much time on this. I mean, we got we both got to break out. Um, but the full nugget report, I, I get nuggets and I put them on uh, Bama Insider. It really helps if you become a premium subscriber, hit the join button at the bottom of this video. Um, definitely a thumbs up, like and subscribe to go a long way. Um, so basically here, here's a couple, uh, Intel nuggets that I'm going to provide. Uh, number one, number 17, right here on the left of your screen. This is a Jai Hall, a Jai Hall, six foot three, 195 pounds. And from what I hear, and as I've talked about plenty of times, the wide receiving unit, there's going to be so much competition there. This is a time where you really start to see who wants to play, who wants to step up, who wants to contribute. And from what I hear, Ajay Hall has been that guy early on for Alabama. Look, it's really, really early. Um, you got some really talented freshmen that are here. Ja'Cory Brooks, Christian Leary, um, our other guys kind of in that limelight as freshmen. But Ajay Hall, I think, was a guy who came in, didn't have a lot of um, high notoriety. I think people didn't really see um, a lot of playmaking ability. Maybe they saw him as just kind of a more of a blocker on the outside, but he's already been able to stretch the field for Alabama, both quarterbacks from what I heard. Um, I'm also hearing some really good things about um, Alabama's offensive line. Now, when you look to the offensive line for Alabama, I think that there's going to be some um, good competition there, considering that Emil Ikior is out. Um, he has an injury, and that's um, – something that he dealt with, you know, at the tail end of last season. So that's going to provide 
um, some of these younger linemen an opportunity to step up. And I'm hearing great things about Damian George. Damian George is a monster of a man. Let me get his exact size. I have the whole roster printed out right here in front of me. Six foot six, 350 pounds. Okay, so Alabama likes him right now at the right tackle position. So you got Evan Evan Neal at the left tackle, Damian George right now at that right tackle position. And look, nothing is going to be set in stone. And I don't think that they're even looking for starters at this point. I think these are guys that are just repping with the first team. And there's probably going to be a lot of mixing and matching. I know that Chris Owens is uh, definitely working as a first team center. Um, but I think going into this springtime, as we talked about plenty, you know, there wasn't a lot of questions um, about the running back position. Um, even really on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, we'll touch on defense for just a second, but I think the bigger question marks are about the offensive line and the wide receiver. So um, definitely wanted to uh, kind of point that out and um, kind of touch on the defense before we break out. Awesome. So is that it, or do you got anything else you want to throw our way? Yeah, I just kind of wanted to touch on the, on the defense real quick because I think that, you know, even though there's not a lot of question marks going into the defensive side, um, you know, there, there's still a little bit to talk about uh, with Alabama's defense. And I think um, a couple of things. Number one, um, the defensive line is going to have plenty of talent. Number 92 right here. This is Justin Abogbe, um, played a ton last year for Alabama. So I think he's going to be a guy that Alabama continues to rotate uh, to the far right of this picture. That is Christian Harris. That's going to be their alpha um, at the inside linebacker position. And then on the left, that's By Byron Young, a guy that um, spot played a, a little bit last year. But don't forget about guys like Monkel Goodwine. Um, an early enrollee that I think can definitely make an impact um, here that he's close to being SEC ready, which is really impressive considering that he just got out of high school. Um, and then keep an eye on a guy like uh, Jaquincy McKinstry um, at that corner position. I don't know um, if he's repping with the ones just yet, but I hear that he had a great fourth quarter program. Um, and by the way, the other number one corner along with Josh Joe for the time being is Jalen Armore Davis. And, um, you know, so a lot of ability out of him. This will be a great opportunity to see if uh, he can showcase that he can be that guy going into the summertime. McKinstry, a.k.a. Kool-Aid. Yeah, I love it, right? Love yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, you, we, we call him McKinstry. I'm thinking, like, that's when he's in trouble, right? <laughs> you, know, you could call him by his full name. Love the nickname Kool-Aid. He's already my favorite out of this entire signing class. Uh, just because of the nickname. And of course, like many of us watching, grew up drinking Kool-Aid, uh, orange Kool-Aid, red Kool-Aid, purple Kool-Aid. So I'm excited about having him on defense. Well, that's awesome, Kyle. Anything else that you have going on that people need to check out at Bama Insider? I'm sure there's, uh, you know, it's a great time to subscribe. Yeah, I mean, um, Alabama will hold another pro day uh, tomorrow, which is Tuesday. You'll also get to hear from uh, Nick Saban in the evening time. Um, also, you know, the B-roll and the practice footage. So, you know, look, whenever we bust, uh, you know, or, or release a video right here on YouTube, you know, it helps so much to hit the thumbs up. It really helps get our uh, channel out to other Alabama Crimson Tide football fans. So if you can't super chat us or you um, you, you can't subscribe to BamaInsider.com, a thumbs up goes a long way. So um, definitely subscribe to the channel. Hit the thumbs up. We got practice on Tuesday. Then again on Thursday. Okay. You'll hear from Nick Saban again on Friday. And then next Saturday, they're going to hold a scrimmage at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Um, so, of course, all those nuggets uh, will be back at BamaInsider.com. Man, I can't believe it. So that, But that's not the A-Day game. It's not in two no, weeks. No, you have um, next Saturday. Next You're Saturday. Me. 
they're practicing this Friday at Brian Denny Stadium. Okay. I'm sure they're going to be doing a lot of situational stuff, almost like a scrimmage, but not a scrimmage, right? They'll probably work some goal line, um, you know, kind of red zone, maybe a full length a couple times. Um, and then next Saturday will actually be a full on scrimmage. So I don't know how they'll determine which guys work with which guys, um, but they'll definitely do a scrimmage on the, I think it's April 10th. And then um, April 10th, I think it might be, yeah, I think it might be April 10th. And then that following Saturday will be a day. So we'll uh, post the information about, you know, kind of the attendance at a day. I know everything's kind of fluid, but, um, you know, hopefully we can get back on our feet, you know, sooner than later and, and fans can get back to beautiful Brian Denny stadium. Yeah. Fans can join me at and is free Friday before a day for the, uh, <laughs> the insider tailgate show. I, I, I think you got to wear a mask. Unless you're drinking a beer. All right, Kyle, anything else you got before we uh, wrap it up today? No, man. Great show. Uh, I appreciate everyone that, that checked it out. Definitely um, listen on, um, you know, podcasts. If you're on the go and you need something to listen to, um, podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, wherever you need it, just type in Bama Insider. Definitely leave us a five-star re review. We certainly appreciate it. Great job, Kyle. Love the information. For Tony Sukalis and Kyle Henderson, I'm Mick Gillespie. Thanking all of you for watching or listening to Monday Night Quarterback, reminding you to tell your friends to check us out here on our Bama Insider YouTube channel. Subscribe to the channel. Give us a thumbs up as you watch. And don't forget to check out BamaInsider.com and become a member there. Get the latest news from Andrew Bone on recruiting. We've got you covered as far as football, basketball, and anything else that pertains to the Crimson Tide. Have a great night, everybody. Roll Tide.